Welcome to Religious Studies News. I'm your host, Christian Peterson, and today I'm here with Nancy Levine, professor of religious studies at Yale University and winner of the AAR Book Award in the Constructive Reflective Studies category. She's here to speak to us about her book, Powers of Distinction on Religion and Modernity, which was published with University of Chicago Press. Congratulations, Nancy, and thanks for, for joining me. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, so this this book uh, really was an excellent book. I think uh, many people will be uh, reading this uh, for many years to come uh, within the, the discipline and, and uh, even outside of religious studies. Um, I, I'm wondering if you talk a little bit about how, how the project emerged for you um, and what were some of the broader conceptual interventions you were uh, hoping to make with the book? Thanks a lot. I... Um... The book took a long time to write. It's a second book, one of those second books that, that took a long time. And, you know, I had various ideas germinating over time. There are changes, too, in conversation partners and institutions. And just in general, the development of, you know, one's thought as, as one kind of lives as a person and, and, and learns um, over time. I wrote a number of shorter studies over the years. The focus uh, throughout, though, and this is present in the dissertation as well, which became the first book, is I guess one way of characterizing it is that the, the scene is the West. So I'm, I'm a person, I'm a kind of like a, a you know, a, a big canvas person. Um, the scene is the West and, um, you know, religion is not exactly the central issue. If anything, the idea is to get below uh, religion and secularism, though I don't, you know, the metaphors of below or beyond are, 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 are not adequate. Um, but, uh, so the scene is the West, and, and one of the main issues, I mean, just in the simplest sense, um, uh, uh, are, uh, is, I guess, continuities in what is considered antiquity and modernity. So that, you know, we divide up the world, we divide up the West, you know, in, you know, in, in a number of ways. But broadly speaking, we have, you know, antiquity and modernity, or antiquity and Middle Ages modernity. Um, and... Um, these divisions are useful. We could say there, there's, you know, there's an underlying kind of abstract question I have about the nature of history um, in talking about antiquity and modernity. The study of history, you could say, is dependent on divisions by year, of course, and clusters. History clusters certain years in epochs, and this is convenient and largely useful. Uh, but sometimes it's necessary to rethink those divisions. Sometimes they mask things. And... Um, I think in the case of what I wanted to think about, questions of interpretation, um, questions of, again, basic issues of the nature of history, the nature of uh, thinking freely, uh, ethical questions, um, problems in how the West is seen. Um, so th these, are, these are large questions. And you could say, uh, I come down you know, in this book, um, kind of articulating something like, you know, the West is, can be seen as one thing, uh, the West can be seen as many things or as, as no particular thing, um, as, as a kind of largely false ascription or, or simply just, just a kind of a, a bloated one. Um, I, I, I'm, quite, I'm committed in this book to claiming something like the West is two. The West is involved in two into the West is divided into, the West can be divided into, it's not only uh, divided into, but that there's, there's, there's a utility in kind of homing in on the extent to which 
it is um, once again on on this sort of language of you know masking that our ways of dividing up the West have masked certain issues that I wanted to kind of as it were liberate. In framing modernity, which is I mean kind of the, the one of the central foci here. Um, how how should we understand modernity in in your work? And and I, I realize as a reader, uh, it's kind of a silly question because that's kind of what you're wrestling with throughout the whole book. But uh, in kind of setting up uh, listeners, uh, what roles uh, do distinction and critique play in articulating modernity in your analysis? I might put it the other way around that modernity, as I conceive it, is is the kind of germinating arena for the making of distinctions or the, or the, or the practice of critique. Um, I want to be clear that modernity is a word like religion or secularism or, 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 um, or, or, or the West. These terms can be owned by anybody and can be used in any way. So I'm not in any, I'm not saying, oh, this is the only way to use this term. What I'm doing, I'm engaged in, you might say a thought experiment. I mean, I'm I'm probably more more committed to the ideas than than maybe maybe is implied in that locution. But I mean by modernity, or I I, I call modernity uh, a construct that involves the commitment to solving one's biggest issues in this world. So not deferring them to another world, not imagining some, whether, whether it's geogra- uh, some geographic other world, whether it's a kind of vertical other world. And by the way, this is not only, when we talk about other worlds, that's not only, not only, um, that's not only a theological notion, but also, but also a philosophical one. And as I say, I'm not the only one to say this, that you know, if you, t- you take Plato and you take you know, images of the divided line and images of the forms and, and, and the kind of intellectual path as one of ascent. So when I say modernity is for all intents and purposes, for the purposes of, <laughs> for the purposes of my project, modernity is the, the kind of rejection of the intellectual life as one of ascent, um, at least ascent out of the body. And Plato's very clear um, and not to, not to disparage all the complexity of Plato scholarship. I'm not a Plato scholar, so but for my again for my purposes, so Plato stands as the kind of project that modernity isn't. Uh, modernity would say then include you know all projects that um, all life projects that 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 really commit to um, uh, sorting themselves out in a world that isn't fundamentally um, inadequate. I mean, it might be it might be inadequate in all kinds of ways that we need to we need to solve, but but that's but that's then the the spur to solve them, and and that we don't need to leave the world to do so. Now, um, when you, when you turn to the concept of religion, uh, part part of the issue is um, uh, kind of the inherited distinctions. I think is one of the the phrases you you use. Um, the the interpretive decisions made about this category. So. Um, how how do we deal with these kind of inherited distinctions uh, about the category of religion um, within some of the the you know you you return to some some classic works um, both within religious studies and without uh, but those are important so how do we deal with these kind of past interpretations? This is um, this question could go any number of ways. But at least a couple <laughs> come to mind. I mean, the the, the question of the thing I'm working on right now, I, I kind of loosely call the freedom of interpretation. So 
I'm very aware, or at least sensitive to, I'm acutely sensitive to and interested in what it is to stake kind of strong ground in interpretation and, and, and in a sense, thereby to overwrite what's gone before and to say this person is wrong or that way of thinking isn't right, you know, the kind of corrective move. Um, but I don't like that word correct. I mean, use the word correction in my, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily want to be a corrector. Um, I want to own it when I do it, of course, and I want to be resp held responsible if I'm seen as doing that. But the question of, let's say I say something strongly and I draw my boundaries and I say, for, for, you know, for my project, I meet, you know, I stipulate by modernity, I mean this, by religion, I mean that. Here are the forms of, here are the distinctions that I'm interested in. Here are the thinkers that I think, you know, show those things. And then you and I can debate. You can, you can look at those same thinkers and say they don't show the thing you show, or you can look at the whole typology or whatever, and we can, we can debate that. Um, but so back to the, back to the image then of, let's say I stake strong ground. Um, is my job to, let's say as a teacher to, or, or a thinker or whatever, to, to persuade someone to see the same thing I see. I mean, I do, I do want people to see what I see, but not necessarily to assent to it, not necessarily to give up something they, that, 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 that matters to them for the reasons that, and, and, or they're using different materials and, or they're reading the same materials in different ways. So when I don't want to be just anything goes about it, um, but there is not, this is a book and I hope my, the rest of my work continues in this line, and I and I hope this is true of Powers of Distinction itself. Um, that it is is an invitation to think with me, and to see where you might fall out. Um, here's where I come to the end. Here's where I disagree. Here's where I can't go any further with you, etc. Um, in the classroom, I always want to have those debates, and I want students to be able to, you know, go as deeply as they possibly can into the material that we're reading in common to find where they themselves, you know, fall out of, let's say, Nietzsche or Heidegger or whoever. Um, so, do I want to replace earlier? <laughs> what do we do? Um, I think that's pedagogy. That's a pedagogy question. I think about. I think. Um, so I want to take up space in the world. I don't. I don't need to replace anybody. Um, I don't know if that's disingenuous. Like, is this, that's definitely a work in progress. That question. Part of what happens in your book is also kind of reflective of what you're saying here. Um, in this kind of basically uh, thinking of the reader as a kind of co conversation partner, um, and it's it's unique about your book. I don't. I don't know if it's more common in kind of philosophical inquiry, um, but part of the kind of the format. You have this unique format in several chapters where. Uh, it's almost like you're in a conversation, back and forth, having questions, um, often having multiple answers. Um, so uh, can you talk a little bit about this this format? How does this structure help the reader think about your arguments, perhaps in new ways? Or what do you want readers to kind of uh, kind of come away from with, with this kind of uh, style? Yeah, what I found... Um... This book, this you know, as you say, the, the parts can go in different orders, and so that, that that's a, probably a function of it having been written, you know, over a long period of time. And but the but the but the more you know, quote unquote experimental forms of writing there, or the question the, the the question answer format, and the and the and the various sort of you know effort, more aphoristic writing, 
Um, this this is all the most recent writing. Um, this writing, including the introduction and then those two chapters that involve that kind of that kind of more experimental writing, are are the most are the things that when I decided how this thing all held together, they were the, they were the the ways I did that. And um, the question of how they help the reader, I'll just say from the standpoint of thinking the ideas through, I found that that was. You know, the goal the goal here is to get at fundamental things but you know all the thinkers that i love you know teach me that the effort to get at fundamental things is never either as hegel puts it a royal road or you know ever quite possible but but i wouldn't put it in a skeptical a skeptical register it's not that you can't get to fundamental things it's that it's also you that's it's not you're getting to the thing. It's 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 an interpretation of what's fundamental, and so that ground is highly personal, um, and not personal in the autobiographical sense, but in the in the conceptual sense. And 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 so, I found in the attempt to get to fundamental things that I wanted to not simply. I did find myself arguing with myself. I also wanted to display how this could go. I mean, you know, because in some some cases I give more than one answer to a question. And I hope it's not simply failure to decide. It's also that the, the, the questions of, of modernity here, that is the commitment to reality, which is a kind of a metaphysical project, that's pretty high stakes. And when you're talking about something high stakes like that, and personal and fundamental you better be careful to a give readers avenues you be, and there's not only there's not one way to do that because it's very literal minded to think the only way i give a reader avenue is to ask a question then give multiple answers that's that's not the that's not the that's not necessary which is how I did at this time. I don't think there's any particular, and 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 it felt necessary to the ideas as they unfolded, as I as I, as I sought to give an account of religion, to, to understand it as composite, therefore to divide it up into its and to, and to, and, to, and to watch religion in that in that fourth chapter, to watch religion kind of disperse and get back together and disperse and get back together, all the while saying there's no such thing as religion, or religion isn't isn't a single thing, or and or you could you, you know you could call religion the drive for simplicity, or you could call it you could call the drive for simplicity something else. Like there is a lot of mixing and matching there. Call it what you want. Here's what I've called it and then do. But it just so but so in, 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 the, in the cases in question, it's it seemed, you know, the, the effort to get to the fundamental took that form. Um, but just 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 to wrap that that, that that thought up, then the the desire was to be careful to as much as possible and with all irony, right, to mean what one says. And to do that. Um, I wanted to kind of let air circulate through in the form of, you know, and if, no, I should say, sometimes I give multiple answers because let's say the same thing can be seen in more than one way. Sometimes I give multiple answers because there's one right answer and there's one wrong answer. I mean, there's, 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 there's like, there's an account I give of, you know, the relationship between philosophy and theology that you can see it this way and you can see it this way. And I do not say in the manuscript, here's how you should see it. But I know, and, and it's consistent. You know, there's only one of those two ways is consistent with the rest of the thinking in the book, and the reader can see that or not see that. 
Um, so it's not just choose your own adventure. It's also, um, I mean, there is an album. I, I own that. You know, I, I love that image of choose your own adventure. But it's also that as I come to a fork in the road and take path A and not path B, I want the reader to see, yeah, but there's also path B. Nancy took path A. I wonder why she did that. And or, and I would push any interlocutor to say, you want path B? I'll show you why you can't, path, there is no path B. That path B is a sign and then a drop off. Oh, but go ahead, you know, but, but, but it isn't there. Yeah, so, the part, so some of it's quite polemical. Um, but it's, but it, it's polemics aren't masked. I don't think it's just, so in this, in this case, that was, that was, that was a good way to deal with, yeah, there's a path B and it looks like this and, and here's why it doesn't exist. Or at least that's the, impl again, that's the impl implication. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting as a reader to go through it and you, you definitely kind of have those ups and downs. Um, and I, I definitely found it striking as a reader, uh, cause it is unique and it does make you think in, in kind of new and, and different types of ways. Um, I just want to also note uh, for listeners um, that, you know, part of what you do in the book uh, is also kind of return to some of these kind of key figures uh, that have been important to uh, the study of religion, like uh, Durkheim and Said and uh, people like Kant and Spinoza. Um, and those uh, sections um, are really valuable, I think, um, in kind of returning to these kind of classical figures. Um with kind of a new framework uh, to do so. Um, and just for time, we won't be able to get into all the details of that. Uh, but I do want to let uh, listeners know that uh, are might be getting interested in the book. Uh, this is also part of what you're doing here. Um, I'm wondering if you could kind of just uh, think about uh, the field of religious studies uh, more broadly um, and the kind of great diversity uh, in terms of scholars and what they're they're doing um how, how would you imagine that others in the study of religion might benefit from your work either in kind of in you know applying these kind of uh you know experimental experimental writing styles for example or in the conclusions that you make right in, ter in terms of your your own analysis how might others uh why might they want to read the book yeah it's a good question I, i'm um i guess i'm among many many people there's many of us out there who um, are, are are sort of spurred or interested in spurred by or interested in uh, maps of thinking. So even if you think about how doctoral programs are divided up, you know what are the subfields and or you know what are the sort of some, sometimes they're divided up through through method, right? His, history of religions, philosophy of religion, uh, theology, and so on, um, comparative religion. So you can think about how doctoral programs are divided up, or how departments in the modern university or how the humanities divides from the social sciences and why. I can imagine a little, you know, I can, I can imagine, you know, many conversation partners where, you know, there's a version of that I'm doing in Powers of Distinction. It is, it is as you say, on the one hand, about a canon. And, and, it's, and, and it's not only, so it's about, both about a canon, a particular Western European, say, philosophical canon, um, and, and including including the study of religion, uh, uh, critical theorists that you mentioned. Um, so it's about a particular canon, and also about the idea of canon itself. What's involved in a canon? What's a canon for? What is it to return to a thinker or a set of thinkers again and again? What is important to pass on? What freedoms do readers have? Well, these again, these are they're, semester after semester. These are questions for the classroom, questions for one's colleagues, and I think. Uh, um, 
th- those are just the question of can- canonicity, say, is, a, is one of those sort of fundamental questions. How, how, how have we divided the world in canon? How have we divided the world in our, in our intellectual spheres or in our social spheres? Um, and then at the same time, so that, so that, so that anyone who's interested in those, I mean, I just, I want to have conversation around, you know, and that's what I mean when I say fundamental, I mean, that's part of what I mean, which is why do we do things this way? Um, how have we, why have we set up the world? I mean, some people are so energized by their particular topic that they'll just, you know, the world is set up in a certain way and they'll just fit into it. They do all their innovating from within a given rubric because the rubric isn't, isn't as interesting as the, as, as the really, really interesting thing they have discovered and want to talk about. Um, I'm a person who's really, really interested in those rubrics. And, um, and I know there's lots of people out there who are as well. So, and then in terms of the content and some people th- maybe say, oh, this book isn't for me. It's about a Western European philosophical canon or something. And I, I, I understand that. And that, you know, that's, it is. And that those are the materials that I've been trained in. And, but even there, you know, there's a, there's a thing that as I sit in seminars and workshops and panels and, and participate in the field, there are things that we all have this. There are things that are discordant to me. One, one discordant thing to me is, let's just say, this is maybe a small example. It comes up in my book, you know, how people talk about Descartes. So Descartes is one of those, um, you could say, uh, the general issue here is the intellectual circulation of potent but reviled figures. Descartes is a reviled figure. Um, lots of things are heaped on him. Sometimes it's just a shorthand. You know, by Descartes, I mean something that happens in the West. By the West, I mean something that you could see in the pages of the meditations on first philosophy. So another way that people could have access to my work if they're not intrinsically interested in Contra Spinoza or in what seem arcane issues of metaphysics um, is in the, the circulation of figures, especially, and they're the content. It's not just that Descartes circulates as reviled. So the thing he's reviled for, mind over body, intellect over you know, the imminent world. And you could even, you know, go much further than he ever goes and to say a kind of, you know, Marxist sort of, you know, the, the, the mental laborers and the material laborers or the owners of the means of protection and, and, and the workers. Um, and not only do I think it's not deserved in Descartes' case, but that there's just a lot, there's a lot more we have to say to one another as we circulate in those ways, as we use those shorthands. And just like the question of maps of, of, of the scholarly landscape, um, the question of how we circulate our figures and why, um, and I just would, I, I would just be the person in the room who would say, stop, let's go back, let's open our text, let's see. And not just for any, old, but, just, but just again, those sort of those figures that sort of loom up. And some of them I've found extremely fruitful. And so I have a lot of fun, um, you know, rethinking reviled figures and that, that can just be a whole industry unto itself. So it's not, it's not all I'm interested in, but... Well, Nancy, thanks uh, for writing this wonderful book, and congratulations on your award. Thank you so much. This, is, this has been great. Thanks, thanks a lot for having me on. Mm-hmm.